Welcome to the Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far podcast. My name is Will Franz, and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes, drop me a comment, I'm happy to help you out. Now, let's get on with the episode. We are live. So today, we're going to talk about why carbs matter and how specifically how they help your training. When most people think of carbohydrates and carbohydrate intake during running, it is mostly fuel, right? We're talking about fueling the effort you're about to do, um, fueling tomorrow. It, carbs are mostly discussed as a source of fuel. Same with fat. When we look at these things, fat is <clears throat> also a fuel that we'll use. But carbs are a big point of discussion. And you'll see people say things like, elite endurance athletes consume 8 to 10 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram of body weight per day. And that is a lot of carbohydrate. But it's very true for those elite endurance athletes. But when we say endurance athletes, we could mean a wide variety of sports, right? So most of those assessments are really done, are not really done on ultra runners. They're done on marathoners and cyclists and um, cross-country skiers, people who are definitely endurance athletes, but it's different. Someone like Eliud Kipchoge runs a marathon in just over two hours. As a result, he is working at about like 90% of his VO2 max for almost the entire time. This means he is just destroying his glycogen stores. He is blowing through carbohydrates. Ultras, on the other hand, are different. Some of them take like 24, 36, 48 hours. So for some faster athletes running a 50K, you might be closer to that like 90% of VO2 max number, but most of us are not. And if you start to move even more into the like 50 mile range, it becomes different. You do fuel on a higher ratio of fat. You still use a lot of carbs, but it's still a higher ratio of fat than what some of the studies might dictate, right? Now, yes, carbs are fuel. They're a very helpful fuel. It's really important. They're especially important for speed training, which if you want to get faster, you should definitely be doing some speed training but they're not as much of a primary fuel as they would be for some other endurance sports. They're more of a part of a larger picture. And I talked about this already, and I'm sure I'll talk about it again, but if you're depleted in glycogen, you cannot push as hard. You need glycogen, you need carbohydrates to be able to really push into that next gear. So your body can create glucose, but it's inefficient, and it can also often result in like muscle breakdown. So if we really want to fuel well um, and have that high gear, we need to have some carbohydrate. They've actually shown that consumption up to like 120 grams of carbohydrates per hour can improve performance. For a long time, we thought it was 90. And then there's some recent studies that seem to point to higher numbers, like up to 120. And we still don't think people can actually digest that much. So it's likely a signaling mechanism, right? So very likely it shows that you're, shows the body that you're in some sort of space of abundance and you're able to push harder. 
So this would seem to show that it works on cortisol signaling. Now, carbs definitely affect cortisol, and this is what they where they really shine. Carbohydrate consumption raises your insulin, and when you raise insulin, your cortisol drops. So that's cool for race day if it's able to keep your stress down, but it's probably not relevant for most people. <clears throat> most people do not need to consume 120 grams of carbs per hour. Um, that'll just result in an upset stomach. But the cortisol thing matters. Pardon me. <clears throat> carbs are key to recovery because training is stressful. And I don't care if running is your therapy or if it is your me time or whatever it does for you outside of the like physical benefits. All of that is wonderful. But by definition, running is stressful. Physical activity raises your cortisol. And if you're doing a lot of training and not eating any carbs, then your cortisol is going to be high, probably pretty constantly. And this is even more true for women because they're already better at using fat stores than males. So while both sexes will leverage cortisol in the absence of glucose, it's even more likely for females because it's even more likely that females will tend to leverage cortisol during training. Stacey Sims has done a lot of work on this, and if you want to know more, I highly recommend reading her book, Roar. But women already get a higher percentage of their energy from fat. And as a result, instead of getting benefits of fat adaptation, which is dubious to start with, training without carbs is most likely to just over leverage cortisol for females. So if you're training, but this is, it's not just true for females, like everybody can over leverage cortisol. And most of us has probably done it at least once. If you're training multiple hours within a 24 hour period, you're not going to completely recover glycogen unless you intentionally do so. If you only train every two days, then your body will more or less do what it needs to do to replenish much of your like essential glycogen stores. But if you're training like most ultra runners, you won't have that. You're likely training at least five days per week for at least an hour at a time. So unless you eat some carbohydrates, you're going to be in some consistent state of glycogen depletion. Then if you go out and do this big workout, like some speed work or a long run, or just push yourself a little more towards threshold, then you're going to leverage cortisol. Your body is very good at getting work done. It is good at figuring stuff out. So if you try to do some work, it will first try to go to its fuel stores. And if the fuel is not available, it will leverage hormones instead. And cortisol is a very powerful hormone. It can help you do a ton of work but you can only do that for so long. Eventually you're going to end up with like HPA axis dysfunction, which is often referred to as adrenal fatigue. And that's not quite right. Your adrenals don't actually get fatigued, but they can definitely start to get dysregulated and they'll make the wrong amounts of hormones at the wrong time. And one of the biggest signs of this dysregulation is poor sleep. If your sleep is all messed up, you're likely struggling with some cortisol balance. I'll often see athletes who train very hard and have very high levels of success, but they still can't sleep. And if you're training multiple hours per day and working really hard, you should be able to sleep. If not, your cortisol rhythm is probably a little wonky, and it's a good sign that you're pushing yourself towards injury. So if you're training a lot and struggling with sleep, then carbs might be an answer for you. We know how this works. Like you, it, They regulate your cortisol, they bring it down, and they help you relax. 
So if you're struggling with sleep, consider adding a little more carbohydrate, both maybe intra-workout, definitely post-workout, and to your dinner. If we don't, we might have to accept that we're working a bit on borrowed time because you can leverage cortisol for a while, but you will eventually crash. And then you're not going to be able to choose to take time off. You're going to be forced to take time off due to an injury or some form of chronic fatigue. And so the easiest way to prevent this is by just upping your carbs a little bit. I see so many coaches talk about pre-run fueling, and that is it is great. Like they're, Most athletes do not fuel enough. So if you're able to get some pre-run fueling, you probably should. But we don't necessarily need to eat before every run. If you want to, I think that's fantastic. If you have time, even better. But if you're only running for like 45 to 60 minutes, and it's fairly easy, you can probably go without a pre-workout meal. You might, I recommend you take a gel with you, maybe make some, sorry, interesting post. Yeah, Melissa, that tracks really well. Um, I also had some cortisol dysregulation from working night shift for so many years, and it tracks really well. So if you're having some like adrenal fatigue and or HPA axis problems, then you are likely going to get less sleep and it is likely going to be broken up throughout the night because you're not going to get that constant cortisol melatonin rhythm that most people should like should have, right? So as I was saying prior comment, like if you're only running for like 45 to 60 minutes and it's pretty easy, you can probably go without a pre-workout meal. Um, you might want to take a gel or something with you, um, but you're not going to fall apart if you don't feel before you run especially if it's shorter and it's pretty easy. This is particularly true if you're running early in the morning. If you want to perform a little better, then eat something like easily digestible as you step out the door. A gel is good for this. Um, a lot of the powders are really helpful here, but it's not, you do not need to fuel before the run. That said, you should fuel your long runs, even if that means fueling during. You should also do your best to fuel, fuel your intense workouts um, but more importantly, get some good food afterwards, specifically carbs and protein. I would much rather someone prioritize a post-workout meal than a pre-workout meal, especially if it's a shorter effort. Now, again, if we're doing a long run of like three, four hours, you should prep for that. You should take food. We should do all the things we need to do to make that effort count, uh, count really well. In fact, one of the biggest benefits of a long run is that the fueling practice for a race day. So you're leaving a lot on the table if we don't practice fueling there. But long run aside, the post-workout meal tends to matter more. Ideally, we'd get both, but scheduling and personal preference can get in the way. A lot of people do their runs at like four or five in the morning. And for most people, you'd be a lot better off sleeping an extra 30 minutes and bringing a gel with you than you would at waking up at 3.30 to get some fuel prior. In that instance, your dinner will actually serve as your pre-run meal. So make sure you get a little more carbohydrate at dinner. It's well-fueled. It's not going to interrupt your sleep. And then that food will actually help fuel you the next day. Most, most ultra runners don't sleep enough as it is. So telling people that they need to wake up even earlier to fuel before a run just seems a little on the irresponsible side. On the other hand, like nobody should finish some intense workout and then not ju just not eat for like another three hours. It's asking for problems. 
yes, too many carbs can be inflammatory, but like, I don't know how we've gotten to this place where like a sedentary desk worker shouldn't eat M&Ms all day to athletes training 10 to 15 hours per week should never eat rice and potatoes. In general, like, I'm not a fan of the low carb trend for athletes. I did one of these a few weeks ago talking all about it. If you want the link, like, please drop a comment and I'll, I'll send it your way or I'll point you to the podcast. But even if we do reduce our carbs, post-workout is not the time. Because when you're done exercising or done with this workout, your cortisol is high and we're pushing ourselves towards injury and overstress. So carbohydrates are key to recovery and key to your like long-term health as an athlete or else we're just gonna end up with problems. So that's mostly what I have, like why carbs are so important to your recovery. It is because they raise your insulin, insulin drops cortisol, and keeping your cortisol well-managed is key to your long-term health. So now it is time for question corner. If you have any questions, please drop them in the chat, and I'll do my best to answer them before signing off. Um, I have one from the group from Tyler, and it's multi-part, so, Love to hear your thoughts on fueling strategies with carbs, how often, serving size, amount, any real food op suggestions and amounts, easy recipes for real food concoctions, recently used dates on several runs and like them, are they good or bad? So I'll do these in parts. How often should you like fuel during a run? Theoretically, more often would be better if you can drip your calories in along the way you're going to do a better job of maintaining your glycogen stores. You can probably do this to too much of a degree, like if you take a sip every 10 seconds, it's probably not, not perfect, but I like to view it more or less like an IV. If you're using your glycogen stores, the faster we can get your the carbohydrates and fluid into your bloodstream so that they can disperse into your muscles, the better. So if we do much more consistent fueling rather than a big bolus every hour, you'll do well. So I tend to think like every 10 to 20 minutes, kind of averaging around 15, and that's a pretty good thought. Serving, serving size and or amount is going to very much depend on you. Um, the general recommendation is somewhere around 60 grams per hour of carbs, especially for longer runs. Um, if you're going higher than that, you need to make sure it is well combined between glucose and fructose. I'm actually gonna drop a guide on this pretty soon, but the basic breakdown is minimum of 30 grams, averaging around 60, and if you wanna go up to 90, that works, but you need to make sure it's mixed between fuel sources. <clears throat> any powder or gel, pardon me, <clears throat> any powder or gel that is like designed to help runners will be in that ratio for the most part. But if you're making your own, you might need to do a little more diving in. For the most part, 60 grams, 250 calories per hour is a really good place to start. <clears throat> and then any real food suggestions. Potatoes, rice, bananas, like fruit are all really good sources. I tend to start people with honey, very honestly. Like honey is easily takeable. Like you can toss a small bottle of it in your bag. And if you are trying to dial in your fueling it's one of the best sources you have it's actually naturally higher in fructose so you can consume almost up to like 70 or 80 grams of it just on its own yes it tastes very sweet if you hate honey sorry agave nectar is also pretty good but it will at least help you dial in numbers for very cheap because a lot of these products tend to be a little more expensive right if you're buying a ton of gels to figure out how many you need it can become frustrating and 
really hurt the wallet. Whereas if you're using something like bananas and honey and maybe the occasional potato, we can really dial this in pretty easy. So honey is actually where I tend to start with most people to see if that's even the issue. And then once we can dial that in, then we can start to target better or like slightly more easily digestible sources, like whatever it be, Tailwind or Goo or whatever, Scratch, whatever have you, or then we can break down like what the exact strategy might be. And then easy recipes for real food concoctions. I have a couple. Um, I've not tried a lot of them. My best recommendation here is actually, what is it? The Feed Zone. Uh, and this is by the guy who works or created Scratch Labs, Dr. Alan Lim. And he has some very good recipes there for like rice cakes and dates and uh, more savory options. And it does very well. So like the Feed Zone Portables cookbook um, is one of my favorites for that kind of stuff. And then recently used dates. I think they're really good. They're slightly higher in fructose. So if you eat more than three or four big ones, you're going to start to push that upper limit of fructose and you're going to start to have digestive issues. But I think they're a really helpful part of an overall fuel, fueling strategy for most people. So hope that answered all those sub questions. Anybody, I don't see anything else in the chat. So I'm going to get going for today. This is a little bit of a shorter one. If you have any other questions, drop them in and we can follow up here. I'll post this to a podcast, hopefully tomorrow, and I will talk with you all later. Hope you have a good rest of your night. See ya. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information, please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.